0: Um I'm gonna be speaking on some stuff that we covered at the Leaders Weekend back a few months ago. and um, there's two main topics that I want to cover. The first is possessing with dis- without dispossessing. So that's taking the principle of God's calling us to, to have influence in places. He's calling us to take lands, but not necessarily get rid of what's there. Um Hugh, I think it's Hugh Osgood was talking to us about this. Um he he, took, he gave us the first um, Genesis thirteen fourteen. We could just quickly get that up. And this is what really really kicked it off for me. And I think I got a lot of application out of this. Um, so the Lord said to Abraham after Lot, Lot had parted from him. Lift up your eyes. From where you are and look to north, south, east and west. Um verse fifteen, and all of the all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. So Abraham looked around, he looked to the north, he looked to the south, the east and the west, and he saw all of this open land. And that is what God was offering him, what God was promising to him. Now, I think when you read that, you think there's all of this open land, there's streams, there's hills, there's all sorts of stuff. But actually we know that he had conflict of people. We know that there were problems. There were other people there. So what he was offering him was land which had people there. So what he was his, his promise was land which was already possessed. So God's offering him something which has people there, people living there. Um, God didn't call him to necessarily take the cities down and rebuild them. He was call, calling him to a place where he would possess them, where he would take them, he would be leading them, but not necessarily getting rid of what was there. That's what was being brought to us, one of the things that was being brought to us on the leaders' weekend. Um, and that's one of the things which has really helped me. I'll get to what my application was a bit later. Um, there's another, another verse I wanted to go over, Psalm 110, verses 1 and 2. And this is t- focusing on, on the ways that we possess as well. So the Lord said, says to my Lord, "Sit at my right hand until I make an enemy of, sorry, I make your enemies a footstool for your feet." The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion; you will rule in the midst of your enemies. So that's that's effectively the Father talking to Jesus, and what He's saying is that you'll rule in the midst of your enemies. So coming back to that whole picture of Abraham in that situation, he's ruling, but his enemies are still there. I think a lot of the time when we think about possessing, when we think about ruling or taking dominion over something, we think actually we need to get rid of the enemies. We need to get everything, everything out. We need to push everything out that's there and then build up anew. But what I believe that God was actually saying to us as a church is that actually we don't need to get rid of what's there. He's going to put us in a position and then we can rule from within. So our enemies will still be around us and we'll be able to rule. It's not a case that we have to push everything out. It's not that we have to take over in the traditional sense. And when you think about it, um, when you think about ruling over people like that, that's effectively a dictatorship. That's a sign of weakness because Jesus is so strong that he can be in there. He can have his enemies around him and he can still rule. Whereas a dictator is someone who needs to push everybody out. He needs to get rid of his enemies so that he can, he can lead. He can rule in the way that he wants to. Um, so... That got me thinking, what are my lands? What is it that God has for me that he wants me to be possessing, first of all? Um, there was the obvious thing for me of work, what I'm doing there, what, what I'm involved in. And I think that really, over the last few months, I've been teaching for nearly 10 years, and pe- there's the expectation you go up the ladder. So, like, people had mentioned to me, um, oh, you must be thinking about going into management. Um, you see people around you who are clearly trying to get into those kind of positions. And the reality is that's not what I want, what, not what I want at the moment. So I feel a pressure to kind of be pursuing that career thing, going up. Um, but it's not what I want right now. Um, and that was something that was in the back of my mind. And also, I kind of didn't really feel that was what God had for me. So I've got a bit of a conflict where I don't want this. God doesn't want it for me. Yet I still feel I should be doing it. Um, and hearing this, it really gave me a sense of peace, because it was saying, I can possess the, the place God's put me. I can have that kind of influence, that kind of rulership. But I don't need to actually dis- dispose of it. I don't need to go up that, that career ladder to have that kind of influence. I don't need to be in that situation where I've got a job title. And I look back, and there's, I've been positioned in such a way that I do have influence. There are the people that I work with that I can have influence over, and I have had. And even when I've been meeting, in meetings with the head at the school, he said to me he wants me to be creative. He said he wants me to, to take initiative and lead on different things. And I wasn't even given a specific area, but he said, do what you do, be creative. And I think that's what it is. I'm in a place where I'm possessing the land, but I'm not dispossessing. I'm not trying to get to someone's job. I'm not trying to get into a place where I can lead over something. But actually, God has put me in that position. And that's quite freeing. That allows me to just enjoy being where I am. It means that I don't have to look at people and compare myself to them. And it's still something that I struggle with, but it's something that God's really, really shown to me that has given me a bit of a wake-up call. He also said that that's one of the characteristics of us as a church, that we possess without dispossessing. So, as a church, we get involved in things, in the actual systems that are there. So the kind of stuff that we see a lot of LCP doing, and people do it um, in smaller projects um, outside of the the wider setting. But actually, we involve ourselves in things, and we don't necessarily just take something down and then build a new thing, but we involve ourselves in the systems. And I think that's what we need to be thinking. Where is it that God is calling me to possess without dispossessing? What is it that God has? Because I think a lot of the time we think about this and I think we recognise as a church that God is calling us to a place of influence. And that can be quite daunting, but actually that means that where you are, God is calling you to do it. And it it doesn't mean you have to go and fight some massive battle. He wants you to influence the system that you're in. It's not a case that you need to bring something massive, but actually just where you are, doing what you're doing is somewhere he wants you to possess. And it's almost like a mindset, thinking... God has called me here to possess this land. I don't need to dispossess anyone or anything. I don't need to take down what's there. God is calling me to possess. And I just want you to think, what is it that he's calling me to possess? What is my land? Um, the second thing was, that he said that we would possess the gates. And um, To give some context to that, um, the gate was the place where the people, the wise people and the people of authority were so... If you had a problem, you would go to the elders who are on the gates of the city. Um, an example would be Boaz taking Esther as, um, sorry, as a wife. Um, that would have been taken to the gates. So thinking, what is it that's our gates? What's, what's that all about? So actually, if you, you're not taking the city, we're not gonna take the city and just rule over it. we we'll take the gates. So we're the wise people at the gates, and actually, that's the key. That's how you have your influence. Because if you're the person on the gate, that means that you're impacting all of those decisions that are being made. It means that, yes, you're not ruling inside, but everything that's happening, you're having that influence. You're the person saying, well, what about this? Why don't we try something different? And I think that's what God is really calling us, calling us to be as an individual, where he's telling us to take possession and for me, that was, that was really interesting, because I couldn't think, what is that kind of situation? No, And there wasn't anything specific that came to me, but I realised that if I'm going to be that person on the gate, I need to have an opinion on things. I need to have a thought process. And I think a lot of the time, for me, um, I'm very black and white on things, and it's either that's good, that's bad, that's worth my time, that's not worth my time. And there was, an, there was a conversation I was having with someone at work, and it was... They were just trying to, like, be controversial for the sake of it. And I more less just shut the conversation down because I couldn't be bothered to enter into it. Um, but it was about things which are relevant in the world. And what I felt was that I need to have an opinion on these things so that when people bring them to me, I have something to say. So it's not a case that I need to spend all my time dwelling on everything that someone says, every news article. But actually, it's, it's the way my mind operates. So actually, I need to be more evaluative, in my thinking, in my life. So I don't have to have judgment or a thought on everything. But when something comes up, I can't just disregard it as this is a waste of time or this isn't of God. I need to have a thought process so that when people come to the gates, I've got something to give to them. I've got something to say. So that's the journey that I've been going on. I think it's... I wanted to share that with you guys because I think actually it's something that God's done in me and I think there's something that he can do in everyone else. And it's not a finished journey with me. I think it's something that is worth hearing yeah
1: okay 15 minutes on the thing that God's I love to just do this because I see people doing it (laughs) Um, 15 minutes on the thing that God's challenging me particularly about at the moment recapping all that God has said to us over the last month At the same time. And what Richard has just shared with us now. Because sometimes it's really easy to skip over the things that God's speaking to us about. And you kind of think, oh yeah, yep, good, that was last week's, yep, that was last week's, yep, that's good. But there are times when we really need to stop and chew over what God is saying. Because it's not, you know, a bit like Rob was just saying there. God sees it all before. And he doesn't bring these words to people to share for something nice to do on a Sunday morning. He does it to build something into our lives, into our community. So we have to take time. So I won't test you to see if you know what God has been speaking about, but we'll carry on. Let me start. And I want you to think as well in terms of what Richard was just saying there, and we can add that to that. So partnering with God. Jeremy spoke to us a few weeks ago, and somebody mentioned it this morning. That thing of walking with God being involved in her purposes, particularly through prayer, and seeing his answers and seeing our involvement in it. God's interventions, we've heard that a lot this morning. Just think of these testimonies where God has intervened in our lives or intervened into others' lives through us. God, it's just incredible. If you just stop and think what we've heard this morning, it is just mind-blowing. The power of God and the love of God and his incredible reality Hands took two weeks. I guess say 15 minutes. Richard, 15 minutes. Hands, two weeks. But that's okay. We all have different amounts of words to use. No. The good soil. Hands took a couple of weeks over that. That that reality of what God wants us to be. He wants our spirits to be that good soil, and the boulders can come in and the thorns can come in that actually chokes the things that He wants to do in our lives. So that's the things God's been speaking to us about, remembering what Richard was saying this morning about the dispossessing. These things have brought encouragement, provocation, challenge, and conviction. Well, they might have done. But if we're willing to listen and to chew and to consider what God is saying, that is what will happen. If we choose to say, yep, that was good, what's for dinner? It won't really and we don't get developed in all the things God has for us. And it's interesting, some of the folk that have shared this morning and the way God's used them, they are doing that. They are taking that time. So today I want, this is like, it is, it is connected. I want to talk about how these things connect and what the challenge has been to me recently. Oh, I've just turned it off. (laughs) That's it? Right, oh. Loving one another by practicing hospitality. I promise you there is a link and you will see it at the end. But let me just come back to the loving one another bit. I don't find it easy to chew things through on my own. I like to talk. I like to talk to other people. I like to grapple and chew and work through with people. We've got minister training tonight and there's a team that is involved in minister training. And we have grappled and chewed and had some discussions in terms of what, what does it mean, this gift of discernment thing. But it's been really fruitful because we've really learned something in the process. And I would suggest that one of God's primary ways of us chewing and grappling and connecting together is when we practice hospitality amongst us. Because that's when we talk, and we really do talk. But I want us to just have a little think, because I've been really challenged with this hospitality thing, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Do you know, as a child, I was brought up in a very busy home where there were lots and lots of people around. My mum and dad would connect with all sorts of people, and we were a house that people knew was safe, was a place of rest, was a place of encouragement, it was a place of fellowship, We were very much part of that. There was four of us kids. We were very much part of that. Not in a forced way or a kind of, you must be nice to these people. But in a, this is our home. So when they come to visit mum and dad, they also come to see the other four kids. And that was kind of how I was brought up. When I got my own home, I wanted to do the same thing. The house I have now, I bought because it was big enough to have people to share. That was just part of what I just felt God had given me and was part of a gift that... I enjoyed using but it was really interesting and when God's speaking to me about something he gives me different things that makes me think and um, don't tell Jane and Heather this but when Jane and Heather moved in my current housemates they're you know generally speaking when people have moved in there's kind of like they've needed a wee bit of looking after at least initially but these are like two independent adult women who were just doing their thing and I kind of thought, oh good, I can have a rest. <laughs> I don't need to get too involved, to be honest, I'm a bit tired. I don't, you know, they can stay in the house, I'll be nice to them, it'll be fine, they'll have a nice time, but I don't really need to get invest too much, I don't need to get to know them too well. And I remember saying this to Dawn, and she's like, so that's like the complete opposite of what you felt God has given your home to be. I know, but they're kind of like, they're in a transition anyway, I don't know how long they'll be there, it doesn't really... Just, i just have a wee rest. I'll just back off a little bit. And then when I left and Don was like, well, that's nothing like what God has ever said to you before. And I left and I thought, Do you know, it's true. And it's very easy sometimes for us to get a wee bit tired of giving ourselves. And the day we stop giving ourselves is the day we block God's love to us and from us. And it's just, what would you do? Why would you have people in your home that you didn't share life with, that you didn't give yourself to, that you didn't want to get to know them and invest in them? The second trigger for me was someone in the church who I'd actually had a number of meaningful... I would see them as someone that I would have real conversations with. Been in the church years and years and years and they said to me one day, I've never been in your house for a meal. And I was like, oh my goodness. That's like really awful. And then the third trigger was I was talking to somebody who'd been in the church. One of the people that's been in the church for a very long time, one of the grandparents of the house, literally. And they were saying about how they hadn't... I was talking about this story, and they said, yeah, do you know, we've stopped having vote for meals. We were saying the other day that we haven't really done it very often much recently. And she said, you know, in the early days, we would have people for meals all the time because we did it because we were recognising the body. And I thought, Wow. It wasn't, we should have vote for meals because that's what this church does. It was because we were recognizing the body. We saw something at that time that was new and different. And by having people in our home, we shared something. We shared something real. So there were my three triggers. Let's see what the Bible says. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. You know, in the context of Romans 12, where we're hearing what love really is, and we're talking about giving to hospitality. 1 Peter 4. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each is a gift, minister it to one another as good servants. Do you know, it's in the context of really loving one another that we will just practice hospitality. Hebrews 13. Let blo- brotherly love continue. And don't forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, you're unwittingly entertaining angels. Now, I'm not getting into the angels thing today. It's been very controversial everywhere I've gone this week, but I'm not getting into it. But I just will give you one story. I got to know John and Dawn. I was, I'd come down to London, been in the church maybe a month. I came in through a friend. And I was on my way to... Um, my work over in Hammersmith, and I fainted on the tube. When I faint, I faint very dramatically. (laughs) Somebody got me off the tube, I'm on the platform thing, and then I'm violently sick, because that's what happens after I faint. I faint every time to time, kind of attention-seeking thing. Anyway, (laughs) I am now covered in sick. These people think my name is Jean King, because it all got very complicated. The ambulance takes me to the hospital. I've been in London a month. I, I know one person who has just moved to Scotland. I knew some other people, but I didn't know them very well, and I was living in this house. I'm in hospital thinking, I don't know how to get home. I don't even know where I am. So, And it was before the days of mobile phones, young people. I don't know if you can imagine that. <laughs> For some reason, I had John and Don's number. I don't know why I had their number. Anyway, I asked the hospital if I could make a phone call, make a phone call, and, I phone, and John answers the phone, and I say, eh, I, my name's Avril, I'm a friend of Rosie's. Rosie. you knew Rosie really well. I'm in hospital and I need to get home and I don't know how to get home and I'm really ill still and I can't get home. I don't know what you do. He says, Right. <laughs> get in a taxi. I don't have any money. No, get in a taxi and we'll pay for it at this end. So got a taxi. Was very cold by the time of the taxi because the man that left his windows open, because this was a pretty disgusting human being in front of you. <laughs> I'm like, and I could understand why he'd left the windows open, because it was stinking. Anyway, arrive on Don's doorstep, who'd only heard about a second before that I was coming. And she looks at me and says, hmm, hello, let me run a bath." Now, I don't know if that's entertaining strangers. I was a stranger to them. But the sense of love that I felt that day as she ran the bath for me and found me clothes of hers, she could have said, let me take you home now. But actually, she didn't. And there's something about the power and the love that that expresses that is very significant. Although to this day, John still moans that I didn't ever pay the taxi fare back.
0: <laughs>
1: so what is hospitality? It's true. What is hospitality? Do you know It is about our homes. I got um, Sylvia to do some study for me in terms of what hospitality means. And, and she kind of came back saying, no, it does seem to be around homes, around meals and around accommodation. It's not just connecting with people. So there's something about our homes. And that makes sense to me. Because if it's about reality, if it's about sharing God in your home, that's yourself. That's your, your place. A significant thing. And can I just say on that, it doesn't say... Go to the, the, the hub for lunch and have a nice lunch there with people. That is hospitality, but it's the starting point. The teas and coffees, absolutely brilliant and really critical, but it's the starting point. If we ever think teas and coffees is the end point, we've missed what we're doing. But it's a really... And we it was good we did it today because it's a really important part of our hospitality as a community. Outside our own family. Do you know... I think most people in the world have like their friends round and their family round. No, we're talking about people who are not familiar. It might be the people we connect with the, that come in to us as newcomers. Look around you. Who don't you know? Whose responsibility is it to get to know people? Our responsibility. When was the last time you looked around you and said, who could I invite round for lunch? Be alert to what God's saying, and I'll come back to that. I think this is the most important one. You know, when I have someone to my home, I say that they matter. There's a significance. There's a value to them. I want to spend time with them. And if somebody does that to me, it means something. It connects, and it's real. So express significance and value. It's about recognizing the body that we talked about earlier. And it's allowing people into our space. And I've talked about that already. Can I just say on this one, it's a two-way process. Do you know, it's one thing to be invited somewhere. But there's sometimes we think, I don't want to go. And actually, that too is not an option. The whole thing of allowing people into our space is allowing people into our lives. So if you don't ever th- ever. Re- accept invitations, that's, a, that's not okay. <laughs> so, if, if you can avoid uh, what David is doing, please do. Um, so it's really important to accept and offer invitations, he's not coming back. As you invest in people, as you connect with people you will be blessed and you will receive something. Now that's not the reason for doing it, but there's something will happen. And many families will testify as they've got to know people, their children have got to know them, and as their children have got to know them, then they've got babysitters, they've got people that connect, and people that love their children. And can I just say to the young people here, I'm not talking to the adults. One of the most significant things for me has been connecting with children when I first connected with the Singletons, whilst Nathan used to say, I don't understand a word you're saying, Jamie and Daniel were very, very friendly and connected. But there's nothing, if I feel a bit awkward, there's nothing better than a child engaging with me. It's so much easier. So, guys, you have a key part to play. When someone is in your home, they are your guest as well as your parents' guest. And don't get hung up in performance. I recently had some people for a meal. I served them raw chicken, firstly, which we then had to quickly cook because that's a bit dangerous. This is only last week. And secondly, when I got the ice cream out, it was frozen chicken that I had put away earlier. (laughs) So the whole meal was... I said I'd actually put a camera on the wall and I was going to show it this morning of how not to... Give hospitality. But it doesn't really matter, does it? Sometimes these things happen. (laughs) Sometimes more often for others than others. It's not about that, it's about the connection. Do easy meals. If you come to my house on Sunday, you'll get one of two things. And I don't apologize for it because I want to spend time with you. I don't want to spend hours in the kitchen trying to do a deliciously fancy meal. It's okay what I'm doing, but. So do easy meals. Invite people when it's best for you because otherwise you don't welcome them and involve the children. And do you know the really most important thing is you're not doing it to take a box. You never know you've gone round to somebody's house where you know they've done it because they kind of feel obliged and you kind of know that it's time to go soon. You know, there's a, unspoken signals. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not the thing to do on a Sunday. It's an expression of love. So, just to finish off, how am I going to link it back? I'll show you. Do you know, it does connect. Because by practicing hospitality, if you're at somebody's house this afternoon, you'll be talking about what Richard was saying What gates is God giving me to possess? What does influence mean? And frankly, if you only spend the whole time talking at basketball, I would really challenge you that it's not okay. It's really not okay. There is more we should be talking about because that's how Richard probably started to process the stuff from the Leaders Weekend, because he talked to people about it. So when you're partnering God, do you know you can be asking him, even this morning, who should we be having round? Who should we be connecting with? Who should I invite myself around to? Who does God want to connect me to? God's interventions sometimes come, often come through us. Sometimes that might be to a stranger. It might be you get a call from Sally to say, do you know, I've got somebody that I think would be great for you to get to know. Could you maybe get engaged with them and get to know them? You don't know who that person is, but Sally's nudged you. And that always feels enough to me. How are we going to connect with people? How are we going to extend our borders and go beyond our own family and extend love? And God's interventions, you just might be the intervention for someone. And the good soil, do you know my challenge would be, if you're willing to look beyond yourself, if you're willing to put yourself out and love and serve other people by caring for them by inviting them into your home by bringing them to be part of your family you will find the soil becoming more and more fertile you'll find some of the boulders being removed and the thorns being whipped out because your focus will be in the very thing that god has called us to in his greatest command is to love him and love one another so we're agents of change and my challenge to you as it has been to me let's not forsake practice and hospitality because in doing so we will see one another and there are strangers in this room to one another before we even have to start worrying about the strangers in the street. Ask God who he wants you to connect with. Done.